0: Hello, and welcome to Generational Archives, the show where we connect, heal, uncover through intergenerational conversations and archival research. I'm Dr. Reina J. Leon, your scholar, creative, and intuitive researcher, and I'm so happy to be with you all again today. And I'm with Dr. Norma D. Thomas. How are you introducing yourself today, mommy?
1: Reina's mom.
0: <laughs> the best way to be introduced. So, as you all know, we are a mother daughter team and we've been collaborating with one another forever. And in the most joyful of ways, we just did a TikTok live that did not record so disappointing, so such a sad face. But what we recorded was a family recipe onion tea. So, we'll do a replay of that on Instagram in the future. But for now, Today, we're going to be talking about my grandmother, my mother's mother, Queen Esther Thomas, or was that Queen Esther Nicholson, or Alhara Satterwhite, or Althea Satterwhite? Who knows? But uh, <laughs> we know. We'll talk a little bit more about the naming in just a moment. But before we do, i love for you, Mommy, to share the poem that you brought today written about my grandmother
1: this poem was written in 1993 and it's called images and i believe i've revised it a little since then but i'm going to read the original version when i look in the mirror i see her face and i swore i'd never be like her never say what she said never do what she did as i recall how she gave me advice that i always listened to but rarely followed Never quite understanding her emotions from great anguish and anger to extreme pride and joy. Her sacrifice and selflessness all connected to her children. Even her marriage took a back seat for the sake of those same children. And I said I'd never be like her. Never say what she said. Never do what she did. What emptiness there is seeing her face in the mirror. Even though in headstrong youth, we fought over everything. However, in later years, she never remembered those fights and said we always got along. She became my best friend, my confidant, my therapist, and greatest fan and supporter. And I said I'd never be like her, never say what she said, never do what she did. What I see in the mirror, so others too see. People who knew her stop me sometimes and marvel at the resemblance. Say, I stay busy just like her. Take care of my children just like her. Brothers and sisters call me so that I can listen and give advice that they always hear but seldom follow. The mirror knows that I am just like her. I say just as she said. I do just as she did. I am her all wrapped in me. And it sees the joy in her memory, and it sees the pain in her absence, and it sees the fact that she has never really left.
0: So why did you want to read that poem today, Mommy?
1: Because I think it says something about mother-daughter relationships, but it also says something about the feeling about my mother. (laughs) And it also speaks to many other people who've heard this poem. And uh, by the time we get to the end, we're probably all crying. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love that you read that poem today, especially because we I'm doing this fellowship, Earthseed, and it's really focused on reparations. But you did the first administration of it, of Earthseed, and made me aware of it. And one of the organizers has said, oh, every time I hear your voice, I hear your mother. You sound exactly like her <laughs> in so many ways. And, and so to have this poem, which speaks to you as mother, as person looking into the mirror and seeing my grandmother, your mother, and then to think about this con- continuation in, of um, your essence within me also is this continuation of grandmom too and I and I love that um that persistence and I also love that we're both two poets right we're that's how I became a poet is through you so Queen Esther Thomas or Queen Esther Nicholson or Alhara Satterwhite or Althea Satterwhite where did all these names come from mommy
1: Well, the story is pretty fascinating. I did not know that my mother's original birth certificate had a different name until after she and probably until after my father died. And I was going through papers. And there was this paper from the Bureau of Vital Statistics in Columbia, South Carolina, where she was requesting an official name change on her birth certificate. So of course, that prompted me to get the original birth certificate, that had the name, as I read it originally, Alhara. But later, I've come to realize that it was probably Althea Sadowwhite. And that was the name of my grandmother, her mother's sister, who died the year I was born. Her middle name was Althea. And I think the writing is actually Althea Sadowwhite. Where she became Queen Esther is the mystery. Her sister, my aunt, has no idea of of another name. She thought maybe the midwife confused things, but now I don't believe so. I think it was very deliberate, and somewhere, someone decided that she was not Althea, but she was Queen Esther, which was a very fitting name for her, (laughs) quite frankly. So, But my mother was not raised by her birth mother. She was raised by her aunt. My, her father's sister. And my aunt was so afraid that my mother's mother would come back and get her and her sister that she officially had their birth certificates changed. So there is an original birth certificate that does not reflect the name that my mother always knew to be her name. And we since have theorized that this all came about because it was at the same time that my mother would have applied for her first passport. So she probably didn't even know about this other name on this original birth certificate until she had to apply for a passport and they coincide. But anyway, the aunt who raised her also officially had the birth certificates changed. Originally, I thought maybe she only had my aunt's change because we did find that birth certificate in a a trunk when we visited my aunt's house. But I have since found the changed birth certificate for my mother. So it was changed to Queen Esther Nicholson, which was the married name of my aunt. And so if you look up my mother on Ancestry.com, The parents that everybody has listed is Thelma Nicholson and Milton Nicholson, but they were her aunt and uncle. She knew somebody in the courthouse in South Carolina and got those birth certificates changed, so my grandmother could not come back and get them. At least that was the reasoning behind that. So it speaks to looking at documents, but also... Knowing the story, because now talking to a lot of my my uh, mother's grandmother's people, they didn't know that my grandmother had children. They they didn't know of these two children that, um, you know, or my mother and my aunt. So they didn't know they existed. They didn't know that my grandmother had two children because she did not raise them. So it speaks to looking at those original documents but also listening to the stories behind them to get the accurate history.
0: But it's fascinating, too, that they didn't know about these two children because the Logans and the Satterwites had four generations been in the same communities. And so this separation and this disappearance of these children after the partnership of my great grand my great-grandparents my um, grandmother's parents um, which was itself a little fraught let's talk about more of the details though so we have story around her name but there's also story around her birth date so born May 19th 1932 or was it 1933 so when was grandma born and why the difference?
1: I don't know why the difference. She always said she was born in 1933. So we accepted that as fact. When I found the original birth certificate, it has May 19th, 1932. So I have to believe that that was her original birthday. And for whatever reason, maybe because she didn't have access to that original birth certificate until she found it, maybe and I need to now look at this does her does the birth date on that original birth certificate match the birth date on the one that was changed because it may have been changed incorrectly and so she thought she was a year younger than what she was which is
0: fascinating and especially when thinking about birth records birth records are generally far more reliable than death records Death records are recorded by the, the survivors. And sometimes those people are not actually related or know the person who is now deceased very well or at all. And so those, those death records can be somewhat less reliable and have to be supported by other information. But birth records are generally pretty standard. like They're pretty stable. So to have this unreliability when it comes to a birth year is fascinating, as well as the difference with my grandmother, your mother, um, speaking to, no, I was born in 1933, so um, not trying to make herself younger, <laughs> or or maybe just absolutely believing that she was, or maybe that was the year, who knows. But this this piece of intersections between what we can learn from birth certificates and family stories, you just said about Visiting Aunt Bernice, my grandmother's sister's, her trunk, and <laughs> the I'm really curious about how many people who might be listening are like, oh yes, that one aunt or uncle who has a trunk, who has a, a drawer somewhere, and it has everything. And we have this wonderful story about going to South Carolina, and this was long after uh, my Aunt Bernice had since uh, become an ancestor and visiting um, one of her daughters to see the trunk and going in and finding documents that you had never seen before. So can you recount a little bit of that
1: experience? Well, before I go to that experience, I want to follow up on the death certificates, because not only is my mother's birth certificate wrong or uh, was right at the time but changed, her death certificate is very wrong. And my father was the informant. And when I looked at that death certificate, he had the relationships all wrong too. He got my grandmother's name right, but he had her married to the uncle who raised my mother. (laughs) So he did not put the birth pair, the birth father on that death certificate. So that's even another official document That is also very wrong. So it also says asking some additional questions and not necessarily taking those quote-unquote official documents as though they were the end-all and be-all because they could be wrong. So back to the trunk. I've been through that trunk before. I was in that trunk when my aunt was living and found some pictures that she let me take, and I had them copied, And didn't see what we found the minute we opened the trunk. Not only did we find that changed birth certificate for my aunt, we also found a history of uh, my grandmother's part of the family going back generations that had been put together for a family reunion. And so these, both my sides of my mother's family were, were clearly enslaved people at some point. And so this document gets pretty far back into the history and allowed us to even get back to the slave masters uh, in, in the family. So it was sitting pretty much on the top of the pile. But I looked through that trunk before and it was not there or I just didn't see it or I saw it when I needed to see it.
0: And I think that that's poignant is that oftentimes, at least along our journey, it has been we find the thing that we need to see when we need to see it. And, and no amount of, of researching or having a, a particular goal in mind is going to open that up. It's really, okay, here's the question. What will emerge is what you need to see in that time. So let's talk about another document, the letter. So, Mommy, you've chosen one to read, but I want to talk to folks about letters so in this digital age, oftentimes we do not send letters, but I and you come from a time when letters were more common. And w- now you might get a Christmas card or a, um, a letter on occasion, a birthday card, something like that. And those who are not keepers like you <laughs> would generally <laughs> not keep those. I keep them all. I keep the notes from Amazon. I keep I keep them in a box all together and I just add to the pile one by one so you can kind of get a sense of like the years because I am a keeper and I also recognize that it's really nice to go back to letters and be able to look at a letter from your grandmother, for example, that was written on your birthday that has a few lines from, from her in her handwriting and yeah, you might not think that that's important now, but when they're gone, it might be incredibly important to you to be able to actually see what what she, what they said to you in their own hand. And, and so I want to encourage people to, not to become hoarders, no, <laughs> but, and not to become keepers of, of useless things. Like, I don't think you need to keep your receipt from 1972, right? But... Thinking about things that will spark joy, if you will, to uh, reference Marie Kondo, um, things that hold emotional resonance that will persist for you in this moment and are important to the sus- to the sustenance to the nourishment of your family in the years to come. What you perhaps would have wanted to have received of your parents or great grandparents or pa- grandparents or those peoples before you of this remnants of love and care one of those things is the letter and
1: apparently grandma wrote a lot of them my mother was a letter writer and so I have been able to keep some of those letters she also sent cards I'm the only one in my family that still sends cards I'm the only one that they say remembers birthdays. I'm the only one that still gives my nieces and my nephews birthday gifts, Christmas gifts. So apparently that tradition has stayed with me. I told Raina there was a collage that I had put together on cards at one point. And then in one of my non-hoarding days, I said, oh, why am I keeping this? And, And got rid of it. And of course, highly regret that because I I have been able to find some of the cards, and I've kept those. So this letter was written August 20th, 1984. Good thing she also dated Mm -hmm. these letters. This is a few months after my son was born. So, dear Norma, the beautiful pictures came. I really wish I could get to see my son, which is my my son, (laughs) but she describes him as her son. If there is some way I can pull the money together I plan to fly in if only from Friday to Sunday or if you can possibly get to Richmond just let me know that's where one of my oldest sister lives Stacy called Saturday night that's my um, sister who's now deceased not sounding well at all I am or I am at, at home I am, Oh, now I'm reading this, I am written to faith. Lee called, she planned to be married in October. I feel so inadequate at times because I can't get to my children. If the Lord allows me to live until May, things will change for the better, I hope. Classes will start on Thursday. If this week, registration starts tomorrow, of this week, registration starts tomorrow. If I can only complete these last two terms, I'll be Indeed, thankful. I'm concerned about Crystal, and I'll explain some of these relationships. I've dreamed about her calling me. I pray she is all right. Give Eddie and the children my love. I hope to see you soon. Love you all, Mom. This is a little less than two years before she transitioned. So, um, I mentioned the Stacy she mentioned is my sister who died two days before my father in 1986. That's a whole nother story. 1996. 1996, that's a whole nother story. That that she had decided that she wanted to complete her college degree. Education was always very important to her. She had started on the educational journey to get her college degree in my hometown, decided that she was going back to Columbia, South Carolina, and enrolled at Benedict College, so she had her associates, went to Columbia to finish her degree, which is one of the reasons she's lamenting being away from her children. She was able to get her degree in 1985, so she completed those terms, was applying for graduate school when, in fact, the cancer that, that plagued her for a while um, got the best of her. So she's also dreaming about my niece, Crystal. And my mother often had dreams when she would call you out of the blue with these dreams that to her meant something or other. She was highly, as we would say, superstitious. And uh, I can relate many of the superstitions that she had That would govern our lives of things you could and could not do because of the belief system, however you want to call it, that my mother believed these things would happen if you did X, Y, Z. And if she dreamed about you, you, she had to tell you about these dreams and she would interpret these dreams. So this is my niece she's dreaming about. And so she she wrote lots of letters, but this is one that she wrote after getting pictures of my son.
0: I am fascinated because it's in this conversation that I'm learning about these dreams. I had never heard that before, and I'm a strong dreamer. So I'm very curious about, can you think of a dream that grandmom may have offered you that it was like you need to do this and if you don't this
1: thing will happen oh i think that would take um i'm 70 (laughs) reina so so that would take some thinking about some of these these dreams because i can't remember if she ever had a specific dream about me but i think one of them was around being pregnant that Mm -hmm. i think that she dreamed about me being pregnant with you before I told her (laughs) that I do remember. But she definitely had her beliefs about things that you that you should and should not do. You know, don't don't travel with wet clothes in your suitcase. And now I'm like, you know, I don't wash anything and put it in a suitcase damp because it's supposed to be Very bad thing to do. Um, Don't split a poll. Don't split a poll. That's definitely one. She, when I first moved to Philadelphia, she came to the place where I roomed. I rented a room in a house, and we were cleaning the room, and she found some bag with something in it. I swear it was probably now hindsight 2020 it was probably somebody's weed but <laughs> but she had a fit she thought it was some bag that 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 you would use to curse people and we had to put it back and and hide it away and not touch it cuz she was very convinced that it was some cursed bag <laughs> and and she would come up with these these sayings that would come out of the blue that would be surprising because we always said mom you're so religious you mommy you're like this super religious person you can't believe in superstitions and she would say there are bigger things out there in the universe Mm. and it all goes hand in hand so one doesn't negate the other i can be religious but i also am not going to go against all this other stuff that i've learned throughout my life and so We would be the benefit or to our um, uh, it it was a warning Mm. for what we should and should not do.
0: Well, I think that that's incredible. And when we think about generational, what is it that is generational? I think that that generational insight is the lesson from part of this discussion today, too. And that openness to an awareness there are bigger things in the universe right I love that
1: I love that well your brother also tells me about being superstitious yes because your brother says I'm superstitious and he says the same thing you're supposedly religious how can you be superstitious how can you think you're a jinx and and you don't watch the Eagles game because you think you're going to jinx them it's like, because it's true, you all have have stopped me for watching the games because of the result that happens when I do watch a game. So none of y'all want me watching a football game. So,
0: and this is coming from my mother who has a practice of, um, she. you um, will often buy like the cheapest uh, watch that there is because she breaks all the watches. I can't trust her to be around electronic equipment because... There's some. I swear to y'all. There's there's something about mommy's electromagnetic field, her personal electromagnetic field, that fritzes out things around her. So like cars,
1: watches, like I don't. Everything goes a little wonky. So and and my mother was the first one that recognized that. mm -hmm. That she said that to me. That stuff around me stops working and that i should wear a watch that i put around my neck for some reason she thought that would be better than buying a watch that i would put on my wrist it's almost you a hundred percent that they stop working and when you go to fix them they tell me they can't be fixed
0: Yep. so there's something about insight, there's something about energy, there's something about an awareness, there are bigger things in the universe, and I I am the one who will lean in, will lean in and, and go real woo-woo on that. Um, but I want to offer some some recap of the wisdom of today. So reminding us about preserving of letters, reminding around the unreliability of death records even with those who are closest to us grief can do a lot of different things right it it warps our understanding of the world for a a little bit and perhaps a a long bit so death records questioning them uh, drawing in other materials to support their the conclusions that you might find in them birth records even them they're more solid and that they're, they can be complemented by family story, by other records, to give you more insight into what was happening at the time. And I, I think that it's also poignant to speak again to uh, what, what I've shared several times at this point is this piece of um, my grandmother singing. So in 1976, there was a concert, and Deacon Clark and Sylvia Tarpley Mm -hmm. they were the two other people who were being highlighted in this concert my grandmother dies in 1986 and at that time Deacon Clark shares a recording of that rehearsal from 10 years before with the siblings and he gives a copy on a cassette to each person and over time each person kind of loses it or something happens to the recording they're lost along the way
1: mommy what happened to your copy? Well, my copy, my sister thought she could transfer it to a CD at the time. And I gave her my copy. And she told me that it had accidentally been erased. And, of course, I was devastated, but there's nothing you could do. I had the last copy, so that was the last possibility of ever having anything of my mother's voice, who was a great, great, great gospel singer. Should have been on you know, all those talent shows that they have now and been world-renowned. So my sister is uh, preparing her house for the possibility of sale, and this tape appears. And she said, no, it's only a little bit of the beginning that got erased. The rest of it is there. So Raina found the technology to be able to take that cassette tape and transfer it directly to the computer to what is it, MP4? Is it an, an MP? MP3, yeah. MP3. So that we've now, I shared it with my siblings, I shared it with members, the children of Sylvia Tarpley, who's still living. Deacon Clark is now deceased, and so I will get it to his family if they don't already have a copy. So that this is the ability now to share not only information we have. But to share it with other families as well.
0: And so this recording has been waiting for decades to emerge and it's definitely something that mommy had been talking about for much of my life, the loss of it. And so much so, but it had become like this kind of un 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 understood, unacknowledged thing that she was doing. Because I mentioned that several times to her and she's like, I didn't realize that I was talking about this so often. <laughs> um but the loss of it was deeply felt and yet we're doing this podcast and we were going to talk about my grandmother and what emerges is the sound of my grandmother singing and i want to offer that to you of you know what you seek will be found when we reach back to the ancestors a thousand hands reach back towards us i know i've said that before and i truly believe it that in this case what was long thought lost has emerged again and been found and perhaps what for you is lost might not be that thing but might be something that gets you close to what you what you want the closeness of connection and love and knowing so I wish that for you and I hope that in your reaching back to discover more about your ancestors that the methods we use may help you along the way this episode will close with a sound the sound a little bit of the sound of my grandmother singing as it was recently discovered and i hope that you enjoy the lift of her song thank you so much for joining us today
1: bye-bye see you next week